0: Good to go? Alright, rock and roll! (laughs) What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Drop In. This week's episode is special to me because my guest today, we met through skateboarding, but there's so much more. And as our relationship has grown, I've learned some amazing facts about Mr. Rich Lund, and you are going to learn those same facts today in the next hour. So thank you very much for tuning in. Each week brings something different, something uh, to motivate you to get off your damn couch, because as you know, this is not a dress rehearsal. You get one shot. One shot at life, and it's your choice to make the most of it. I choose to make the most of every minute. You know, at night, I have a hard time sleeping, because I don't want to lose any minutes. And you have to sleep. You have to sleep. Last week's guest, Renee Pathetis, was awesome, and she (laughs) told me, you have to sleep, Gerald! You have to re-energize! You have to recharge your batteries! You cannot bring that energy every minute of every day and not uh, eventually just get worn out and get tired. And I do! I do, and I end up falling asleep for hours and hours and hours. So I'm going to work on sleeping better in the evenings. And it, it's just tough. It's tough for me. It might be tough for you. My brain goes all the time. I'm thinking of other ways to reach people. I'm thinking of more guests for this show. I, I, it just—it's nonstop. That's why I got into meditation about ten years ago, and it works most of the time. But I'm still so driven. I, I still just I, there's more I need to do. On the road, when I travel, I actually sleep better, because in a hotel, I, I can't get up and do stuff. I cannot get up and, and, and work on the computer or work on a drawing or whatever. I have to sleep or watch some TV, and most of the time I sleep. So. That's just getting a little bit off track, but it, it it really isn't. If you've watched last week's show, you heard Renee talk about what you put in your body is 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 going to reflect how you feel, how much energy you put out there, and how much rest you get, and all that kind of good stuff. It all goes together. And so, if you didn't see that show, make sure to tune in to the Renee Pathita show. But today's show is is i mean uh, we we are shifting gears completely i have mr rich lund here today and he is a chemistry teacher and also dabbles in physics he does some freaking amazing stuff you're going to see a youtube video in this show today, that every time he sends me a link, it blows my doors off. The work he's putting in, and the creative way he is reaching our youth with with so many different things. Science, chemistry, hip hop, you name it. And he skates. And he also freaking does some rad stuff with monarch butterflies, which we're going to learn about today on this show. Did you know, and I found this out doing some research, the monarch butterfly is the state insect for five states in the Union. Those happen to be Alabama, Idaho, Illinois, Minnesota, and Texas. I didn't even know that was legal. Like I thought like once you said... The monarch butterfly is our state insect. No other state could use it. But because they are endangered, maybe they're you know, pushing the envelope, letting other states get in on the on the madness. Um, I don't know, but I thought that was a very interesting fact, and uh, I asked Rich about it before we came in uh, into the NRM studios here in Farmington Hills, Michigan, and he said he he wasn't sure exactly which states they were, but he knew it was multiple states, and so I I'm, yeah, you know, I always try to stump them a little bit with with the facts, but. Um, I want to thank you once again for tuning in. The show has been doing great all across the world. Last time I checked, 29 countries are watching the drop-in. And that is such a a testament to the guests that are are taking their time to come into the studio and share with you their message, share with you how they got to where they got to, and hopefully uh, poke ya, you know, with a stick as we as we uh, each share our our journey. Um, hopefully you feel something. You, you get inspired to follow your dreams, follow your goals, and make life exactly what you imagine. And my man Rich Lund has done that and continues to do that. So without any more, I introduce you, the world, to Mr. Rich Lund. What's up, my brother?
1: How's it going? Hill <laughs> Valley, GV, the life maverick. You know, I was thinking on the way over here. California's got its Death Valley. Michigan has its Life Valley right here. <laughs> um, it's, it's such an honor and very humbling to be invited onto your show.
0: Well, um, thank you for taking the time, man. I know it's a little bit of a hike for you to get here. and uh, Well worth it. In the summer, you know, being a teacher, you get your summers off, and you fill them up with whatever, you know, spending time with your wife or doing whatever. Thank you for taking the time to come and spend with us. What? Well,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'd rather I'd not have any other place I'd rather be right now. Oh right here, well, thank right? you, thank you. How's the summer been treating you, my man? Um, it's it's been busy. I, you know, like sometimes, and you just said it too, like you know, teachers, you got the summers off. And we do and we don't, because in some cases, depending upon the year, you got to go back for other types of training, hoops that you have to jump through to keep the, the teaching certificate valid. And then also, the, like in the teaching world, you always have work that you're taking home. And so, so many things can get pushed onto like, the back burners, and it's like, can I do that in summer? If so, that's when I'm going to get it done. And so there's tons of stuff that we've been doing, but uh, got to make a jump over to Italy this summer, and... Uh, visit Rome, uh, second time in Rome that I've been there, and then also got to visit the island of Sicily and meet some of my very well-extended family that's over there Um, through some Facebook research my sister had been doing, found some uh, roots back in Sicily. We had uh, some relatives who, at, at one point in history, came over to the U.S., but two of the siblings stayed there, and so we were able to find that family line and reconnect with them and spend some time with them. Google Translate helped out a lot, because I, my Italian is quite poco, uh, but we, we were able to get along and communicate just fine, so it was pretty awesome.
0: Right on, man! I've never been uh, to Italy. I, I did get a chance at one point in my life to visit Sweden, Norway, and Finland. Uh, and I hope to get back over there and just, I mean, the history's got to be incredible.
1: And yes. Like well, the first time I was in Rome, I was there for six days. We tried to see as much as we could. Six days is not enough. It's yeah, like. You go for as much as you can, and you just gotta pack it all in. And definitely, um, sleep did not happen much there. But you know, I, I might be a bit of a contrast to your last guest because I'm more of a "you can sleep when you're dead" kind of guy. <laughs> and, and I know we all have to watch that, so I'm sure she gave good advice on that.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've always been that, had that mentality as well. And I'm trying to pay a little more attention. You know, I go and go and go, and it eventually catches up to me. And and I'm all of a sudden, it's you know, two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, and I'm falling asleep on the Couch, you know, it does catch up to you. So I'm trying to pay a little more attention to that. Um, But uh, you know, we met through skateboarding, Mm -hmm. and I remember uh, it well. Yeah, and 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 you know, each year we usually get to skate once or twice throughout the summer together. This year we haven't had that chance yet, but I get to have you here in studio. So thank you once again for coming and visiting here at the NRM Studios. There are
1: different ways to shred it. This is one of them. Yes, it is. Yeah. So I. Going back to that day, in fact, I, I brought the deck that uh, I had on that day because it's out of commission now. Um, landed a little too heavy on the tail and snapped it. But uh, I thought, you know, the, the deck is integral to how I met you because here I'm just, I'm skating. And uh, to tell the audience the story, I'm, I've am i just got the deck sitting there and Gerald compliments me on my deck. He's like, hey, nice deck. And uh, I it, it was a street plant deck, still is. And I'm I'm wondering like, do you know the company? And and Gerald's like, oh yeah, Mike Valelli. And I'm like, this is the first person who definitely knows this skateboard company, and it was a pretty new company at the time. Christian Svitak deck here for from Street Plant. This guy knows it. And I start looking at him closer. I'm like, I think I kind of recognize this guy. And I'm thinking back to like some old Trans World magazines that I had. And you introduce yourself to me. And and I think that was like one of the best first impressions ever. Is like. Here's a guy who did not have to, but he came out of his way just to say, compliment me, introduce himself to me. And so it would mean a great deal to me. I don't know if you want to do it now or later, but I brought brought my thick Sharpie. I'd really like you to sign this deck now uh, i know it's not going to get thrashed anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely uh you know when we get done here i like to take pictures um, with each guest and and thank you for the to the very kind words. I, I don't take compliments very well, so i might get a little emotional, but thank you. um that's cool. You know, as soon as I saw you bring in the deck, I recognized the paint job on the top, and I I remember that. I remember that. And so, thank you for the very nice words. You know, Mike V is a rad dude. He is a super rad dude. Um, you know, whenever I see him, we talk about hockey. Actually, most yeah. of the time. And he's a Christian, fan. Christian Svitak, and I came up together, uh, turned pro the same year, and he's uh, uh from Ohio, a fellow uh, Midwestern Ripper, and still crushing it, still doing his thing. So. Um, um, those are <laughs> great, great people to represent, and um, and that's rad. So let's let's move into the interview, so I don't get all choked up and, and ruin the show. So thank <laughs> you again for the kind words. But let's talk about you. How was it growing up, man? I, uh, you know, we we are already hit on you're a teacher, and I didn't uh, let the cat out of the bag that, you, or actually I did. I said, you know, chemistry, physics.
1: How was it growing up, and uh, and where'd you grow up at? Um, grew up in the city of Port Huron, um, in the. City, city area of it, and uh, came from working class household. Um, my mother wasn't working at first, but around the time I was seven or eight, she started going back to school and uh, pursued being a teacher, which definitely that was that was an influence on my life. Um, my father worked in uh, kind of started out as a factory job before I was ever born, and because he showed up on time and you know was responsible and things of that sort, promoted up to foreman and. Um, I got to give a strong thanks to them because it was through their hard work, like they were able to work a lot overtime as far as my father's job goes and, and put me through college. But um, I had the, the city of Port Huron to reflect upon growing up, but also grandparents who lived right by the woods. And so you, I could see things in their yard I'd never see in mine. You know, you're never going to have a snake go through my city backyard. So getting to visit and, and spend time with them, and, you know, on weekends and especially in the summer, stay overnight. Really got to explore nature and just you know fell in love with it. All those different critters that I would not normally be able to see in the city. So I had like you know a good healthy mix of that.
0: Very cool. Very cool. You know, that's uh, oftentimes. Um It is, you know, something small or big, depending on how you look at it, that... really directs us throughout our life. And at the time, we don't realize it. We're just being kids. We're just doing our thing. You know, for me, it was a friend coming home from Florida and bringing a big, fat skateboard, and I happened to step on it, and I never was without a skateboard the rest of my life. Uh, For you, uh, the woods and and being able to to experience uh, nature and some different things that, like you just said, we wouldn't see in the city. And um, that sort of planted some seeds that, That you've carried through the rest of your life. How was uh, you know? We talked a little bit about uh, middle school had come up. How was (laughs) middle school and high school for you? You know, did you already know you loved science at that time?
1: Yeah, no. I I think science, science and math, I was pretty good at um, early on. The the lessons, whether we're even just talking about elementary school, like you know, stuck in my head pretty quickly. so when we when I'm getting into middle school, you know, you still don't have really much freedom in choosing your classes, but I think I described that to you uh, earlier before the show started as like probably the worst 3 years of my life just and I I think many can probably relate to that. You're trying to figure out who are you during that time period. And looking back at some pictures, you know, I I've got on like the kind of clothes I know I was purchasing because that's what others were wearing and you have this like nervous anxiety, your body's changing, and you don't want to stick out in any way, shape, or form, but I still did. <laughs> it's just you just can't avoid it because I I enjoyed I enjoyed school, I enjoyed uh, getting to learn new things, and I think that was what really set my heart onto science too. I love all subjects, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to like trying to actually understand and unlock a mystery, it was science that could do that for you. Uh, some people, when you look at like for example a rainbow. Hey, just take a step back and enjoy the rainbow. It's beautiful. For me, I want to know why that rainbow is doing what it's doing. I want to know why I see what I see. I want to know why double rainbows exist. I want to know all the intricacies behind it. And to me, just understanding it at that level of complexity, it just adds to the beauty in my opinion.
0: Right on, man. You know, for me, it was a huge step. I was right where you're talking. You know, junior high for me, I was trying to fit in. I had probably had a sweet mullet, you know, and I was I was doing the things. And then from junior high to high school is really when punk rock and skateboarding took over my life, and I lost all my friends. It was me and three other skateboarders, and but I was finding out who I was you know and not following the herd how was that transition for you from from junior high
1: into high school uh, i came out of junior high uh, with a flavor for the rebellious ah. <laughs> so i i got with some friends in in middle school and we started drawing comics and you you look you're looking for like different types of um, topics to have in your comics and social commentary just comes up you know uh, no, nothing's funnier in middle school and I hate to say this but it's true nothing's funnier in middle school than making fun of others <laughs> but it was never like a targeted thing but more let's make fun of society in, in these different ways when we got to high school we were still. Making the comics, but it had matured just a little bit. (laughs) It had matured into social commentary on just what we were seeing in society, too, and and still trying to make it funny. And by that time, uh, the side spike haircut had gone away. Longer hair was there. Your Nirvana t-shirts, your White Zombie t-shirts, and it was it was something where I think it really, if anything, got me even more ready for science because. Pure science, in my opinion, is is looking at the world in a very skeptical way, and when you're looking at society in a skeptical way, you you learn how to develop that skepticism. Science is something that, in every discipline of it, it's it remains healthy because it's being questioned, because it's constantly being questioned and reevaluated and retested, and it, you know society should be the same way too.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, In my personal evolution, really gravitating towards the Eastern philosophies of spirituality and different things, there's a gentleman I enjoy a lot, his name is Greg Braden, and he was a physical scientist through the 60s and 70s and got into the spirituality side of things, and he's bridging that gap, like all his books are about bridging the gap between science and spirituality. A little bit different than what we're talking about here, but the skepticism for me, is still there as well. I want to see stuff measured to an extent, um, but science is incredible. I mean, especially how it's continuously growing and changing and evolving. It's amazing to me. Truly amazing. But so, you always knew science was your thing. You know, uh, from a young age, we'll say, and and you know, uh, I'm 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 gonna come back to the comics thing because I want to know more about that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, uh, I know that um, when you were uh, moving into your college years, that was a very interesting time for you
1: as well. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I can. And that skate park I met you at uh, definitely plays into the story because. So I went to. Community College um, in my hometown of Port Huron, St. Clair County Community College, for the two years leading up to transferring over to MSU. And I would say, you know, just a quick flyby on it. By the time I was in high school, I knew that I wanted to do something with science, and I knew it was probably going to be either chemistry or physics. And once I am going to community college, I had to kind of pin it down to at least one of them, so I went with chemistry, and and I felt it would be a good choice. You know, I enjoyed all of it. It was tough to pick, you know, what avenue do I strictly want to go into. But um, chemistry and, and taking plenty of physics classes as well. When I get to MSU, I'm uh, I have to live in the dorms, and I'm transferring in as a junior. And I didn't quite understand how dorm life worked yet, but you could choose, you know, what dorm you you sign up for. And I went with a non-drinking dorm, because I was going in blind. I did not know who was going to be any roommate of mine, and so they're just going to stick me with somebody. And I thought, well, if I'm studying my stuff, I don't want to be in a room with some partier who's going to be up all the time. And So I went with the the dry hall of Rather Hall in the Brody Complex. And little did I know, though, that, go figure, when it comes to like seniority, seniors get to choose their dorms first, then juniors, then sophomores, freshmen get stuck with whatever's left over. And that just happens to be the non-drinking dorms. They, are, they aren't the first to go. Uh, so I was living in Rather in that same year of uh, 2000, that's when they started building the skate park that's just you know maybe a tenth of a mile down the road, skating distance. So once they're building that, and I'm a bit of a minimalist anyway. People in that dorm, they are gonna go. You know, hey, do you want to rent a house with us? You know, where are you gonna move next year? And I'm like, I'm I'm staying here. I'm I'm within (laughs) skating distance of this place. I'm I'm definitely gonna stay right here. So I stayed put there for the next two years, and then along that way too, I realized I wanted to go into teaching, and so I had a a fifth year then at uh, MSU to kind of get some of those those school classes in in set and lined up for what I was going to go do next. So the three years that I'm in Rayther Hall, it would, whether it was the first year there or, you know, the other two, it would take maybe the freshman about two weeks to figure it out, but they start to pick up on, hey, wait a minute, this guy's like a junior or a senior chemistry major. I'm struggling in my freshman chemistry class. I'm going to go knock on his door. And so people would come to me sometimes with questions and I I had no problem. I loved getting to help them out with it. And I think that's where I started to get an idea as to what I wanted to do with my chemistry. Prior to that, I, I knew I wanted to do chemistry and I was getting a chemistry degree, but I didn't know what I wanted to specialize in. I had thought about maybe being like an environmental chemist. I had this, you know, vision of being the guy who tries to measure and find where the pollution's coming from and then i had the the idea that that same person also just you know goes and slaps the bill to the to the chemical plant down the down the river that's you know dumping what it shouldn't and i wasn't really exactly sure didn't have the life experience to know all the ins and outs of how that works so i was trying to figure it out and here's these you know freshmen needing help and they're complimenting me too like man I, I, you explained that really well i can understand it and i, I got a vicarious enjoyment from it too i love it when something finally clicks for myself. And when I get to see that click in others, I, I still have a bit of a thrill with that. Like, yes, you're on board. You got this. And just getting to see that joy, it, it really made me think, like, teaching might be what I want to do. And I had another friend, too, and he was uh, around the same time graduating with chemistry. And he went on to be a uh, type of chemical engineer. And in his work, he let me know, you know, I'm like, do you love your job? And he's like, you know, I really love it and i start talking to him about some of the things i'm learning in chemistry he's like yeah we don't really use that too much we really just use like this one specific sliver of chemistry and i'm thinking you know i learned all this stuff and i love it all i would want to find a profession where i can like use it all and for me teaching has has really been able to do that
0: well, and I think you hit a great point for our viewers is that if you are just getting into college, if you're just going to school, you don't have to have it all figured out no. out of the gate, you know? Rich just said, you know, it was like his junior year when he's like, man, I really like sharing this information with other people. And, it, and it, I get stoked when I, when I see it clicking them. Uh, maybe teachings for me, and and so you don't have to have it all figured out. I still don't have it freaking figured out. You know, every day is something new, something. I, I love learning personally, and. Uh, every day, there's like a new avenue, a different way to take things. Um, you brought up so many cool stuff. St. Clair Community College, beautiful college, right on the water. Um, MSU, Rad Campus. Rainy Park uh, is in Lansing. Lansing is right in the middle of the state of Michigan. And they were one of the very first cement skate parks in the state of Michigan. And um, modern skate and surf had a ton to do with that. Uh, they've been around. They're, they're actually, modern skates, having their 40th anniversary. This year, they've been around 40 years, and um, that's it's a beautiful park. And to
1: be only like skating
0: distance that close from it, where you're going to
1: school, how rad! And that was uh, that was the first place where I ever had a, a ramp. You know, prior to that, it was all street skating for me. We didn't have a park in Port Huron at the time. We got one now. Eh, I don't recommend it. <laughs> but he, he, we, he, like so with those really taller ramps, like that was my first experience with them, and that's where I learned to drop in too. Right on. And so like then after that, it was like these you know smaller ramps at places are like okay, that's no sweat.
0: Uh huh. It's a whole new you know dropping in is almost like learning to walk. And uh, if you're not a skateboarder, dropping in, is if you watch the X Games or anything like that, when the guys put their board over the top of the ramp and just roll right in, that's called a drop-in. It is freaking terrifying. The first (laughs) time you drop in, I had just talked with somebody yesterday uh, who had a bruise on their hip, and I spent months with bruises on my hips, learning how to drop in, because we didn't have little ramps. They were 10 foot high, and yeah. so that's what I had to start on. And um, dropping in is terrifying, but it's like learning to walk for the first time. It opens a whole new chapter to skateboarding,
1: as you know. It. it Gave my endocrine system some new chemicals to release it had never released before. (laughs) (laughs) Only, only you,
0: only you would 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 describe dropping in like that. (laughs) Slip in the endocrine system right there. Shout out Anazfiz students. (laughs) So you know uh, you got St. Clair Community College. You got MSU. What happens next?
1: After uh, after graduating MSU. I knew I wanted to go into teaching, and I had taken some education courses at MSU to kind of set me up for it. But it was it was also something where the the price of MSU I was not going to you know finish the teaching certification through that. So I went through with uh, Saginaw Valley State University. It made logical sense because back to St. Clair County Community College, they had a uh, satellite office there, so I was able to take uh, my pre courses there for a year, and then also do their accelerated certification program. And interesting about that is, like, really MSU did not give me a physics minor. They didn't have minors there at the time. I'm not sure which colleges have minors and which ones don't. But College of Natural Science, when I graduated in 2003, no minors were there. But I had kept taking physics classes because I loved them, and I didn't have to, but I wanted to see how far you know I could go with it. So the time I was at MSU, I went all the way up through um, first and second year physics courses. Got Had the credits for those. So I'm in the office for Saginaw Valley State University, and we're looking at community college classes. And for their program, you need to have a minor. And I didn't have a minor. And So they look at all the credits that I had taken, and they're like, well, you're really close to a physics minor. I'm like, yeah, but I've taken up through sophomore-level classes. Community college is not going to have a junior-level physics class for me to take. Mm-hmm. And They're like, well, it, it shows here that you never took the freshman physics class. You never took, like, physics 101. I'm like well, no, I you know I had that in high school, and I tested out of it, and just went on to the next one at MSU. And they're like, well, you can still take that, and that's the only class you need for a physics minor. Oh, right on. So I had had you know, like all these physics classes, I knew physics entry level basic stuff very well, and here I am now taking a class where I have to just go through the motions of taking that class, get the grade, get the credit. And my you know, it was a couple weeks into it, and my lab group is like, why do you know all these answers? <laughs> I'm like all right, well, I'm I'm gonna come clean. I kind of already know this stuff, and so they they worked out a deal. Like okay, we'll we'll do the labs, and we'll do the report, and you just look it over and see if there's anything to change. And that worked out pretty well for that for that course. Right on,
0: right on. And now, uh, Saginaw Valley, and and what you know you you had uh, sent over your bio, and 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 you you. Spent some time
1: in France. Yeah, uh, once Saginaw Valley was finished, and I had the teaching certification. My wife, she was uh, she had graduated with a bachelor's in French around the same time period, and there was a program through the French Embassy where you could go over to France and teach at one of their schools as a language assistant. So you weren't like an official teacher, but you were you were in the classroom with teachers, and you were uh, expected to just speak your native language anyway. So you didn't have to know a lot of that uh, of French to do it, and you just had to have uh, two college-level semesters to do it. College natural science at MSU required you to have a year of foreign language, and to stay a full-time student. I actually wound up just taking two years to kind of fill up that schedule too. So I had had two years of college French. Do not confuse that with thinking I was fluent. I was was very uh, unable to even really hold a conversation at that time, but. Once we, it was it was an easy choice. Like, do you let your girlfriend, your then girlfriend, go over to a foreign country for nine months by herself, or do you go too? And so right. we we applied together. And um, thank you, the country of France, for putting us in the same school, so we were able to be in the same school, same city, because we didn't know if that was going to happen. We could request it, but it wasn't a guarantee. And we got to work in in France, and the experience was very eye opening. I think that not just being able to see a country as a tourist, but getting able to actually be part of the inner workings and see how that goes. It gives you a lot of respect for your own country as well, but it lets you see, it lets you see what your country is doing better than others, maybe. And it lets all you also see what the other countries are doing better than ours. Something I was impressed just right away at the school, the hallway lights were turned off until students are in there and then there's a button they press and like for three minutes the lights are on and then they go off and it mm. makes you kind of wonder so you know why are we leaving lights on all the time you know little things like that little nuances where it's like you get some ideas of how other countries are doing it and why not take good ideas and, and help to improve things
0: right 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 you know um, I brought up earlier I'd been to Sweden Norway and Finland and it was like that I stayed with a host family we were playing a hockey tournament but I got to uh, live for a short period of time just running around the 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 City of Stockholm. And it's completely different, completely different. And I was very fortunate because uh, the dad was originally from New York. And was a translator. So he could I was picking his brain at a young age of what's the differences? What do you see different between the states and and Sweden? And and you're very right, you know, you get to see the things the some of the benefits that we maybe take for granted, but also see some of the things we're not doing uh, that maybe could benefit us in the long haul. Indeed. Definitely, Absolutely. definitely. So you you go through all this schooling, you get to go to freaking France. I mean, how cool is that? We you you know brought up Italy to start. You've seen France and Italy. You come home and you probably have the Mac Daddy teaching job, right? Cake, you get it instantly, right? No, <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> no. This is uh, you know coming back um, at the time period. Michigan was looking for teachers, and this is two thousand five six. No, two thousand five six. I was in France so two thousand six seven. Um they're looking for teachers to some degree, but it's limited as to which subjects. And uh, my wife then was pursuing her master's in France, or I'm sorry, pursuing her master's in French through MSU. So it made sense then for us to move uh, to East Lansing area. And while there, I was um, a job I had had during the summers all throughout college involved cooking. So I was you know cooking in kitchens. And so when I came back, it's that was the, something I could grab easily was a kitchen job. So I'm cooking in the evening, and then during the days, I'm substitute teaching and trying to get get the name out there, make the connections and try to find you know a, a good chemistry science position. Now I, I could have taken physics as well, and I was looking for both because I was qualified to teach either. How'd you keep motivated,
0: man? Like I you know mm. it, it it had to be tough because you know you just spent the better part of ten years going to school, doing your thing and and now you cannot find a way to put that to good use to pay your bills. You just spent a boatload of cash, I'm sure, and you're teaching at, at night, working in a kitchen,
1: uh, how'd you stay motivated? The kitchen motivated me. Getting out of that life, um, and I can't speak for every kitchen. Certainly, I'm sure there's there's different ones, but in the restaurant business, there was uh, plenty of plenty of drug use, plenty of alcohol, and stuff that just you don't you don't easily see yourself wanting to do that. You know, maintain it again. There's there's plenty of I'm sure excellent restaurants, but it's just not always the ones that were hiring me at the time. So uh, that that definitely kept me motivated. Well,
0: and there's different, different motivators for different people. You know, I, I, I get to speak with a lot of people in my life. And some people are motivated by, I don't want to do this anymore, yeah. so I'm going to find a better way. Some people are like, I love what I do, and I just want to move my way up that food chain. You know, And there's different motivators for different people. You were in the uh, restaurant and saying, you know, this isn't what I want to do the rest of my life. And I just, you know, I know what I want to do. And, and
1: that's pretty cool. And I was, you know, just I was so burning to want to teach chemistry. It didn't stop me in the restaurant I was doing it too. So we would take like this, you know, we're chopping up salads and like, hey, you wanna see something cool you can do with this red cabbage. Boil the red cabbage, strain out the, the water that's left over, you got this nice violet purple water. That's a natural pH indicator. So we're sitting there, we're adding Windex to it, we're adding apple juice to it <laughs> to see what colors it changes. And I'm like teaching the kitchen staff, like, Yeah, here's the chemistry behind it too. And so I, I, you know, it was, it was still a good time. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was nothing, no time period that I necessarily regret. And I think there's things from that that helped me refine my teaching skills as I was getting ready to become a teacher. But it was, you know, just every once in a while, you'd have one of those nights where you're like, yeah, I really don't want to be doing this yeah. next year.
0: Yeah. So where was your first teaching
1: job? Your first full time gig? First and full time gig is still one I have. So I've, it's uh, St. John's High School. And that St. John's is about 20 miles north of Lansing, mint capital of the U.S. I have heard this factoid, and I've repeated it many times. I have not fact checked it, but if you chew a Wrigley Spearmint piece of gum, I do believe there's a 95% chance the mint came from St. John's.
0: I love it. I love. <laughs> I love the facts. I love the 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 odd facts. So thank you. Odd facts are rad. I mean, super rad. Uh, we're sitting here with Rich Lund and. I love your 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 story about the kitchen because uh, it's got to be a good time I mean you were talking about dropping in and you explained it different than anybody else I've ever ever heard explain it but being in a kitchen and going hey check this out this can make a natural pH indicator uh, that's going to lead us into our next part of the conversation which is you do some really really cool stuff with your students and you give a lot a lot more to your students than just being in the classroom i mean from the olympiad uh, can you talk about that a little bit what is it what oh, is it what
1: is that no problem yeah it's i didn't know what it was either until i started at st john's Um, My high school didn't have such a team. I had never really heard about it. Um, Probably like a a lot of others, when they first hear Science Olympiad, it's similar to Odyssey of the Mind, and they're like, "Oh, is that what it is?" And no, it's it's a bit different. And something I I have to also try to stress when I'm getting it across is that it's not just your science club, science group. It is a competitive team, and the competition is ruthless. And I love that (laughs) ruthless. (laughs) So, uh, you know, they. The assistant principal there at the time, Mr. Mark Horak, shout out to you. He uh, he really changed my life in such a great way because my first year there, he said, You know, we got the Science Olympiad team. Another teacher's coaching it right now. Maybe you should check it out and see if, you know, there's something you can do to help out. And I was like, You know, you, first year, you want to impress. You want to impress the bosses, for sure, you know. And so I was like, Yeah, let me, let me give this a shot. And, you know, I had run cross country and track back in high school. So I was thinking, like, I that maybe that I'll go into coaching that someday, you know, and and try to spread that awareness at that time. But instead, as soon as I saw what science Olympiad was, I was hooked. I was hooked. It's like track and field in the sense that there's 23 events, and if you're on the team, you don't do 23 events. You do like the three or four that you're training for, and you know that's kind of where the analogy ends. You're not jumping over hurdles or anything, but every field just about of science is represented. You have uh, events that are like a biology event, a physics event, a chemistry event. Your standards are there. But also then you have events that maybe you don't have a class for at your school. So we have an astronomy event. We have lots of engineering events. We have a lot of uh, field guide naturalistic events where a student for a competition might have to go from table to table. And with you know the one other teammate they get to bring in with them, they might have to identify what this fossil is and also answer multiple questions about it. And they got three minutes at that station, then they're on to the next one. So it, it's a type of competition where the students really get to see not chemistry is only this, and biology is only that, and physics is only that, but instead they get to see a lot of these things interwe- interwoven together. We have a, event, a dynamic planet, and the, the focus of that changes each year. But with it, certainly a lot of earth science and geology, but you got to know some chemistry, you got to know some physics in there too. And a lot of these, they have to learn it at pretty much the college level. The tests, because some of the events are just taking a test and seeing who scores better, but they're designed to be something where you got to have everybody tap out somewhere, even the best of the best of the best. We're already dealing with some really intelligent students. So some of the questions get pretty intense. And so these students are learning this interwoven integration of science into all these different disciplines that are coming together. And they also get to learn it at the college level. And and so many students going through a program like that, they were maybe like Rich Lundback in high school. Like, I know I want to do science, but I don't know what. And instead, they get to come out the other end with some very good ideas as to, you know, what could be a prospect for a career path. And in some cases, too, they get to learn, yep, I did that event, and I don't want to go in that direction. You know, they'll still perform well for the team, but they kind of get to get more of a world experience of how this stuff is actually used. And you've been doing it 11 years, right? Uh, I, my first year, I was an assistant coach, and then that second year, uh, the the gentleman who was coaching at the time, he said, you know, I'd, I'd like to hand it off if you're willing to take it. I was like, yeah, I'm taking this, and so I'm going into my thirteenth year teaching. So I've done it. I've coached then for eleven years officially, and have been involved with the team for twelve.
0: Wow, that's that's incredible to me. Because um, I knew nothing of it. Until you, you uh, let me know about the Science Olympiad, I'm like, man, I want to know more about this. And I think one of the coolest things is it's not just one. Like you said, You know, it combines all of it. And um, that's, that's giving back. That is serious giving back. Because I'm sure you dedicate many hours outside of the classroom to these uh, students.
1: And, and they're almost like hand-picked, I guess. Um, we have tryouts. We have tryouts for it. And to be honest, with the, when it comes with the tryouts. Like you, if you have basketball tryouts, you can tell if somebody can play basketball within a day or two. You can see what they're doing on the court. For us, we have to put them, and I hate this part, but we have to put them through about two weeks of tryouts. Wow. Where like here's some events we're gonna have you do during tryouts, and we're gonna see how well you can independently learn for these two weeks because there's no way that, you know, even with multiple coaches, we have a few assistant coaches too. There's no way we can teach the student everything. So that's another way it's getting them ready for college life too, is that they have to really become an independent learner. The rules that we get kind of spells out for them what they're gonna have to be able to do it for their events. And that's all they really get to go on. So they have to go out and like, look up all of these different types of ideas described in the rules and start to learn the basics. And then really get into like some of the nitty gritty small details about it and and the independent learning, they, they get a lot of resources as far as like how do I do that? And you need that in college. You know, the, the majority of the learning I think you do in college, from my experience, sixty percent of that at least was on your own. You know, you go to lectures, you go to labs and you learn things from that for sure and it's definitely valuable, but so much of that time is just spent trying to figure this stuff out on your own.
0: Yeah, and using it in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, in real life scenarios, um, And it sounds like the Olympiad does that. Does that a little bit more than just learning out of a textbook or taking a test, because you have to be prepared for anything, really. Um, And, uh, wow, wow. uh, For you guys, did you guys even know that there was a science Olympiad? That's freaking rad. Especially if you're into science, to know that that's available, and there's somebody like Rich Lund out there who will help you along
1: the way. Pretty freaking rad. Pretty rad. For anybody watching this now, too you know, just to try to help you. Your school doesn't have one. Whether you're uh, going through school now or you're a parent to somebody who would like to see that happen, just you know, talk to the administration. Start giving that phone call. Start sending those emails. Find out about Science Olympiad. Get one started at your school. Awesome opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you do. Uh, this is going to be my highlight uh, for the show because you do some other really cool stuff. And I'm I'm gonna uh, get into the the videos that you put together because uh, you know every few months you'll send me over a link. And uh, I, I am blown away, blown away by um, uh, some of the things you do. How did you decide to start putting together these videos? And I mean, they're hip hop videos about chemistry. <laughs> How did you
1: decide to start doing that? I uh, let me start here. I promise, I never intended to be a YouTuber. I but I think it's I think I got to take that title now. You know, um, what the, the YouTube channel originally was. Is just you know we do some really awesome demonstrations. Part of being a chemistry teacher is just showmanship. You know you got to know your content, but you got to know how to present it in a gripping way. And we do some really cool demonstrations. And on the days where some students are absent, you know it's like oh you missed something really awesome yesterday. So it, it became a way of let's just you know record some of these demonstrations. And then if if for example we have so many snow days, we just you know, don't have time for it any longer. That happens in Michigan for sure. Or if you know some students are absent, we can say, oh, well, you can check out the video still, or we can show it even in class and review. You know, the next day, here's what we saw, or at least here's a previous version of what we saw yesterday. So it was just a place to put some you know chemistry demonstrations up on the up on the internet, and then once we had done that, um, music was something from maybe the second year on. I was always using in the classroom because it's something that can really help students. Grasp the details. You know, it's tough to get students like, and I don't think it's very effective anyway. Memorize these definitions, but instead, students are very willing to memorize lyrics. And if you can put something witty into your lyrics, almost like a joke or a double entendre that you need to know the content to get, now you got students who want to know that content. They want to know why you know this kid next to them is laughing and they didn't get the joke, and that can be a really a a good hook to getting students to want to learn the content a little bit more. So um, I had been. You know, I used to be like back in the older days. You know, pass out just some flyers with the lyrics on it for them, and I'd live perform it. And students would be like, "You, know, you should record that. You should put that on YouTube. You should make your own song." Because at the time, you know, some of the lyrics that I was using, there was other songs, and they were kind of like folk songs that were out there uh, on the on the internet for classes to use. and you know, folk music's awesome, but I, I cannot play an acoustic guitar. So for me, it was like, let's get the students to make a beat. i had always had a love for hip hop, so let's you know do this this country song with a hip hop twist to it. Let's you know put the lyrics out that way. But then students were encouraging, like, you should write your own lyrics or you write your own song. And so I was like, yeah, why not? They wanted to see me do it, so let's show them. Uh, a good model of, I'm willing to take the risk for you. You don't think of a normal chemistry teacher as like, yeah, I'm willing to do a hip-hop song. Maybe, in fact, the day they asked me that, they were just thinking, I'm going to be like, nah. But I was like, okay, it's on. And so, uh, I got the pen to the paper and and started seeing what I could come up with.
0: Now, was it difficult to get some of your students to, to actually get in front of the camera and perform with you in the beginning?
1: Uh, To some degree, you know, these days, one of the first questions I'll get asked, like when school starts, you know, we're getting ready for the back to school time period, and I got a lot. I have no, um, I have a surplus of students who are like, "Can I be in a hip hop video? Can I be in one of your songs?" And and I love the enthusiasm, of course, but I don't think they always understand, like how much work that's really going to be as far as how much work it's, is involved. Like, let's learn the lyrics. Let's practice some recording, editing, all that kind of stuff. So I, I take it under advisement. You know, student expresses that to me, slips into the back of my head. And I've got multiple songs we might be working on. Sometimes the students have ideas. And so I will, you know, try to reach out then to a student like, hey, last year in my class, third hour, if you remember, it was exactly at 1148 p.m. or uh, a.m., you said to me you want to be in a hip hop video. You still game? And they get real really excited. I'm like, okay, but here's the work that you have to do. Here's how much commitment it really is, and they they're usually into it. Yeah, so right on. Give them right. give them a, give them some time to think about it. You know.
0: Well, let's take a look at some of that <laughs> commitment that you've helped. Uh, I mean, I'll say you've helped because it's a, it's a group effort. Let's check this video out. Uh, you know, um, it, it's it's amazing, and I'm gonna let you can actually talk about it if you want over the air, or we can just watch it. Here we go. We'll let it speak for itself.
2: Step seven, it says, while the reaction proceeds, spit bars that adequately express the fundamentals of chemical reactions. All right, we got this.
0: Now I will say this was my favorite. <laughs>
2: Oh, bonds breaking, atoms rearranging, that complex, you know, activated. Energy and SOP releasing in store and storing, heed the warning,
1: safety first. Don't ignore it.
2: Endothermic, reactant bonds sever. Exothermic, the product comes together. Measure whichever is greater, pencil and paper, like a two-player chem crusader calculator. I see
1: the color change.
2: So now I'm do I got a new substance? I see some bubbling, puzzling, in a sense it's evidence.
1: Pretty sure in class we covered this. These atoms rearranged. It's
2: it's all about the valence and atomic displacement changes. Got reducing agents owing by the way, Will oh, no grades be updated?
1: Could form precipitate
2: Coming out the solution, the reaction produced it. Got ion season, insoluble, they ain't dissolving Matter of fact, they refuse it
1: Gas from the carbonate.
2: Got hit with some acid, bulbs will indicate reaction Concentrated goes rapid, dilute slow as molasses Slow as molasses, slow as molasses. Want to speed it up? You can try to catalyze it. Want to know the mechanism? Gotta analyze it. Want electrons sauce? Oxidize it. But something gets reduced.
1: And that's your assignment. Try to find it.
2: Energy flashing, electron dispatching, photons times to go on till the states crashing. Reversive reaction, put them atoms on back. Spin the chassis. Helping to estimate the
1: maximum. Hydrogen exploding with liquid split. Like peroxides and aqueous with Watch the clock side, make sure to not miss it. Iodine clock reaction, it's legit.
2: Oh, I missed
1: it. Detect a new odor.
2: In the lab, try not to breathe any fumes. Still can't deny, I think I smell something new, don't you? Oh, yes, I think I do.
1: Might need to look closer.
2: Evidence could be slight, might take overnight. Just give it some time. Take a while for certain types of elements to combine.
1: That's right, that's right. Maybe it gets colder.
2: Absorbing energy depletes the heat of nearby surrounding territory. Could you record the temperature forming? Sure thing.
1: Till it's
2: over Could be a twist at the end Some reactions have multiple steps And the last might be the best Think this will be on the test?
0: The production's incredible, dude. <laughs> it, it, I appreciate Seriously that. Learned. When our grades there it really is. When you sent me that video, I was watching, and I'm like, "This is this is super good. It is super good. Like, it, it's got to be a, a total group
1: effort, man." Um, it's it can be it can be taxing at times, yeah, for sure. Because no, I, I mean, you you can, you can say like, "This looks awesome." And uh, Leonardo da Vinci once said, "A work of art is never finished, only abandoned." And here I'm, I'm watching. I'm like, I love it too. But I see all the little things, like oh, I, I wish I would have done that a little bit different, or this or that. But you know, it's I, I've having watched several different episodes. Um, I know that part of definitely one of the messages is like, it's it's about giving it your all. And I think that's very well communicated on this show for sure. Well, thank you. And I know that. Um, in my opinion it's not so much that I want to take a video like that and try to compare it to others there's others too who, who are doing like you know science hip-hop and you know much love to all of them because it's just getting more science out there promoted and, and getting more kids interested and involved but I think that um, it's not so much about be the best at something as much as be the best you that you can be at it yeah um, in in one song I, I had some lyrics. Um, I'm never one to want to be the best of the best. Just the best me I can be, or else I know I failed the test. So get the findings, apply them. I'm not impressed with less. Lyric Lee, say methods, press making me a double threat. And that—that that was like really the message there too. Of you know, it's not so much that I want to be the best anything. I don't. I don't need to be the best chemistry teacher. I don't need to be the best skateboarder. I don't need to be the best science hip hop teacher artist if that's a category. But I want to. If I'm going to like go at something, I want to be the best I can be at it. And if that results in you being really good at something or the best at something, then awesome. But I don't believe in comparing yourself to the external world to decide, am I good enough or not? And I think that can sometimes hold a lot of students back because uh, if you're if you're young, and I remember what it was like too, that feeling in middle school. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't because I don't know if I'm going to be amazing at it. I have to be amazing. There's this like impulse. You gotta be amazing. You gotta you gotta post amazing things to Instagram. You gotta tweet out something amazing. You gotta show everybody how amazing you are. And I think for reluctance to want to do things because you you're not guaranteed fast results of being amazing at it, some people shy away from doing some of the things that would really, really enhance their life. For me, skateboarding, I'm not phenomenal at it. I, I work hard at it, and it's not one of those things like math and science for me. It's not something that I pick up very easily. But if I let not being able to do a kickflip for multiple years hold me back and be like, oh, I can't skateboard now, then I, I would be missing so much, such a great thing in my life that enhanced it and brought so much pleasure to it. It's not about, am I good compared to anybody else? The, the fact that you live in a neighborhood where maybe there are people better at you at skating. Or if you're working at a school where there's those other teachers that are better than you, that's should not deter you from doing what you want to do and going after life the way you want. When you're when you're in the ground, you're going to have the life that you had, and hopefully who you were growing up around or who was with you during that time period only enhances your ability to achieve that goal that you want. Yeah. yeah. Shout out by the way, before I forget to to uh, Katie Boundary. That was Katie Ernst in that video, and uh, Chloe Western, C West excellent students. One of them was an Olympian, another one in my AP Chem class, and just like phenomenal at, at their chosen topics of what they do. How cool. Well, to, to back up what you're
0: saying, I don't think I was ever the best skateboarder, but when people watched me, they knew I was having fun. And mm-hmm. knew I was passionate about it, even to this day, people are like, "Man, you have a lot of fun riding your skateboard, and I'm not always doing the best tricks i I rarely am I doing the best tricks, but I have a lot of fun, and that shows through that I love what I do and and the video like that's i you love what you do and you're carrying that message to um Uh, I mean, thousands, thousands over the air here today. So thank you once again for being here, Rich. I I appreciate it. Uh, You know, the hour goes quick. It does. And I had so much I want to cover. And before we run out, we're down to like the last five, six minutes of the show. I want to talk about the Monarch Butterflies because that's a passion of yours. And um, some of the photos I've seen that you posted up are really and truly amazing. How did you get into Monarch uh, Butterflies and why? It was
1: through Science Olympiad. Um, as a chemistry physics guy, when we see new events coming down the line, because you know the same twenty three aren't always there, they cycle some events in, some out. And I knew entomology was coming up soon, and so I uh, I wanted to learn more about entomology. It wasn't something I had ever specialized in. Um, I always I had gone through that bug phase as a kid, and I never really came out of it. But I had never really, like cracked the major books and learned the terminology. So I thought, let's you know look up some of this stuff, and hey, I could raise some butterflies and see what that was like. And that's when I learned the plight of the monarch butterflies. And just trying to figure out how to raise the monarch butterflies, that's when I found out that since the 90s, their numbers have tremendously dropped. Um, We're looking at about, we have currently around 10% of what we had in the 90s. And that severe decline, it uh, best evidence shows it's from loss of habitat, from loss of the plant that they need for their life cycle, which is milkweed. Multiple different species of milkweed exist, but that is the only plant that they can lay their eggs on and the caterpillars can, can feed off from. And as we develop more land, and then also in using certain types of pesticides, uh, some geoengineering has occurred with crops where they are resistant to the pesticides, but these pesticides are potent enough to where even trace amounts in the runoff can kill milkweed. Milkweed was for a good portion of time and still is disappearing from landscape in North America. So with uh, when it comes to the raising of the monarchs, I just tried to, let's, let's get some videos on how to do it out there because I couldn't find any and describe this plight. At the time when I was doing it, 2014, I put out these videos, YouTube didn't have a lot on it. And those ones kind of exploded. And so because people were kept on asking me more questions, there were more videos to make about it. So I've, I've been doing that a lot, big time, too. And you're raising them for yourself throughout the summer? Uh, I I raise them. Uh, t- I take in numbers in some cases now to like you know make more instructional videos with them. Uh, there's there's not a reason to necessarily raise like large numbers of them because that can get out of hand and it's not about quantity. It's about quality. You want to make sure that you're not keeping them overcrowded where like disease and and parasites can develop. And instead, you know, low numbers are good. It's really more of a catalyst, I would say, getting people to raise monarchs gets them very interested in, in an emotional connection to the animal, it makes them want to plant milkweed. And they're, they're beautiful. They're a yes. beautiful animal. It would it'd be so terrible if, you know, like the migration did not happen in North America each year. So the the overwhelming message is, you know, if you really want to help them out, it's planting the milkweed, restoring that habitat. If you can take, you know, four feet by four feet in your yard and plant a patch of milkweed in there, you're already helping. And then if you want to get into, you know, some raising the monarchs and get more of that emotional connection too, you certainly can.
0: Right on, man. I'm gonna. I'm always introducing new vegetation around my house and milkweed is going to be one of those because I love seeing the, the butterflies come by especially the monarchs I think they're beautiful and I'd hate to see hate to see
1: them go away due to a lack of habitat. So if anybody wants to check out that or anything else on the channel uh, YouTube channel is Mr. Lund Science. I hope that's easy one to remember. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll
0: link it up. You know, uh, I'm sure underneath these, and and we're gonna all link it together because what you're doing is incredible. I think it's incredible. Um, uh, when you first started sending me the videos, I was blown away. The one we just showed our awesome viewers, that one floored me. I bet you I watched it five, six, seven, eight, nine times on my phone and shared it with some youngsters around my community who are, uh, I think. Interested, maybe in chemistry. Interested in different things, and I'm like, check this out. It's super cool, and I've shared it across the board. I'm totally impressed, dude. I'm honored to call you a friend, man.
1: The honor is well shared, for sure. (laughs) Tremendously.
0: So, what's to come? What What do you you got? Anything on the docket? More videos? More? uh, What's What's coming
1: up this school year for uh, (laughs) Mr. Lund's class? You know, full commitment to trying to to refine the the skills. Just like in science, you want to question what you're doing. You know, it's not so much about doubting yourself, but I can't assume I'm teaching the best way possible. So every year, you want to like reevaluate what can I do to change it up, make it more exciting? What are some new things to try? You got to always try new things, or else you don't know what sticks. You know, you throw lots of things at the wall and see what is good and keep keep the good, replace the bad with something else, try new things. Uh, For The YouTube channel, certainly keeping our finger on the pulse of what's happening in the monarch world. Um, I have other songs too, just because, like, the lyrics, once your brain is writing some lyrics, not all of them are about science. So I've put out some songs too that aren't necessarily about science. And some students, they, you know, I can thank them for this too. They're like, you should put out an album. And I was like, "Eh, I'm 39. When am I going to do this? Might as well do it now. So I've been working on an album. I've got seven songs done for it. And I feel like I shouldn't. Put anything out till I got like 15. I know when I buy a CD or an album back in the day, i like if it only had 10 songs on it, that wasn't as good as the one that had 15. So I'm I'm working on that. No idea really when it's going to be out, but uh, I'm I'm hoping within a year
0: right on right on well thank you once again for coming and visiting with us at nrm studios um i know we're going to be in touch for you the viewer make sure to check out and follow the youtube channel because as as rich just said an album's coming more videos are coming follow it this episode is inspirational for me because i love seeing people push your own personal envelope, and that's what I try to do. So thank you again, Rich, for being here today, brother. Absolute pleasure in being here for sure. I was stoked. Right on. I'm stoked today. Thank you. Thank you, the viewer, because you're the reason we do this. You're the reason we come in here for an hour, and and just to share the information and the motivation. So thank you so much. Make sure to watch them all, share this with everybody you know, and and just enjoy life. That's what I'm going to do. I am Gerald Valley, and this is The Drop-In.